Uh, do we have an intro? Surprise! Fun. Hello. <laughs> what is going on, Sergio? Chris, thank you for joining us. Happy Wednesday. Oh, welcome, welcome how, to be here. Glad to be here. How was everybody's Fourth of July? Has uh, has everybody feeling, Serge? Do you get uh, you get hammered? <laughs> well, I'm feeling good. Yeah, uh, I felt no pain for two days, and I'm back to feeling pain today. <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, really lucky. I was at this uh, 4th of July barbecue and um, I cut a little loose. Shocker. And uh, <laughs> on, my, on my way out of the party, uh, one of the people there was like, hey, I got this thing you've got to try. So she gave me these. Um, I don't even know what they are. They're like drink mixers or something you put in your water and they like help rehydrate you. Mm-hmm. I'll be damned if I didn't wake up feeling like a million bucks. I'm like, I need these daily. Really? Oh, you know, honestly, you know what's really good, Kim. You you might need this too. You might need this though. Um, you know, with all the smoke that's been going on in the Northeast, like we've been getting pounded, and uh, they have these. The, I was at Walgreens the other day. They have these little oxygen things, like little cans of oxygen. You just take like a couple of puffs of that, and you just feel great afterwards. That's cool. So, tip if you need that, especially around the fires. Holy crap, that smoke! I saw them at my. I saw them. Yeah, it's been bad, but I saw that at my local Walgreens. I'm like, does that really work, or is that just something that they're trying to like push on people? And well, now I know that it works. Yeah. So we've got quite a fun but show. Then, but I say, but just real quick, Zach. I, that's not what I thought you were going to say when you said someone gave you something that <laughs> you didn't know what they were giving you. <laughs> What did you think somebody gave me? I was hoping Not for a one hitter or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would even better. Here, here, try this slice of pizza. It's got cheese, pepperoni, and some mushrooms on there. Freshly picked, by the way. Freshly uh, picked. About an hour later, you're like, holy shit, I can see the stars and that is dancing. the best pizza ever. Wait, that's the fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was just like a hangover cure. So uh feeling like a million bucks today. So um grateful to that person. It was a perfect party favor, if you ask me. So we've got uh, quite an interesting show. Uh, the founder of the Rideshare Guy has a habit of booking these incredible interviews with CEOs, such as Dara from Uber and more recently, Tony Chu from DoorDash. So Kim, Chris, Sergio, and myself are about to critique the shit out of this Tony Chu interview. You guys ready for that? <laughs> Um, no. <laughs> uh, hey, we got to be on our best behavior if David Richard's right, watching. So, so I, I, um, I want to play the devil's advocate today, so you guys go ahead and pound Tony Shue, and then I'll be Tony Shue for you all. Then I'm going to debate you, that? Tony. Yeah. All right. Let's see what you got. Let's see what so you got. We got some clips lined up. Let's okay. jump right into it. Uh, okay. okay. Let's go. Um, and and that's usually how these products work. I mean, we uh, 
you know, start by doing the activities ourselves. And, and we have a program actually at Rash called We Dash, where every month um, and, and every quarter and every year, everyone in the company, including myself, you know, performs deliveries. And we had something like 99.9% of everyone not here to is at DoorDash. And oh, wow. it's kind of just there. And we kind of, you know, make hypotheses, report the bugs and things mm-hmm. like that. But we start creating hypotheses around what are the areas of problems that we should be tackling. Yeah. We actually vet some of that with the Dasher Community Council that mm-hmm. we launched four years ago in 2019, where, you know, we have a group of Dashers in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and New Zealand that pretty much, um, you know, apply for this role and really are stewards yeah. of the community and kind of get their take on, hey, are these the biggest problems to mm-hmm. work on? And then we go to work. And, you know, in, in, in some of the announcements that you talked about, all of them are important in, the, in their own right. This earned by time. Um, you know, feature has been something that we've been thinking about for yeah. a few years now. And it's because, you know, one of the hardest challenges about a platform like the DoorDash platform, we have people who come from very different needs. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had over 13 million dashers in our lifetime who generated or earned over $35 billion, yeah. you know, since then. And, but, you know, 90% of them dash fewer than 10 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the average is, you know, even less than four hours a week. And so you have a small portion of dashers that sometimes, you know, see this as more of a full-time opportunity. But the vast majority yeah. come for sometimes 30 minutes a dash, yeah. sometimes up to 10 hours a week. And so it is tough to solve for every single particular yeah. use case. But one of the things <clears throat> we've heard is that there's kind of two um, modes, one of which is, Dashers kind of feel like they understand how our platform works. They like the idea of assessing which orders are better for them versus which orders are not as good for them. And so they, they like to earn, you know, by each offer. And especially that we're getting to grocery deliveries and in-store shopping and package returns and all different types of tasks, even beyond restaurant delivery. They like that choice. Yeah. On the other side, some people get overwhelmed by that choice. And they dislike the kind of variance and the, oh, sometimes it's a high paying offer. Sometimes it's a lesser paying offer. Sometimes there's a tip involved with the order. Sometimes there isn't a tip. There's a lot of variables I have to keep in track. Can you just actually, you know, simplify it for me? The consistency of earnings that I expect for the limited time that I do this. And that earn by time feature that we just announced, that's where it comes from. But it came from years of hearing this feedback. And trying to actually, you know, get to, frankly, a certain scale of business mm-hmm. where we can actually reliably and predictably offer that and then actually ship it in a very responsible way. Um, to- okay, so they said that they've been working on this for years. I don't know that they've been working on that specifically for years. They've been working on getting bad orders delivered for years. So this was their answer to it. Well, so, I, I, I don't see anything wrong with the answer. It's a corporate answer. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, well, my, my, trying... look, my, my, my uh, you know, I have a fiduciary duty to my shareholders. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. trying to make money as much as you're trying to make money. Mm-hmm. So then if you have a duty to your shareholders, then shouldn't you be telling the truth? About what? Well, DoorDash didn't get asked for this program. Drivers didn't get. Drivers well, weren't asking to, to make Door, less. DoorDash has to do what they have to do to get orders delivered. They do. 
Yes, but nobody came to DoorDash like, hey, please take less uh, transparency. You know, we, we want less transparency and we want you to limit our options. Nobody came to DoorDash and said that. So nobody I think that... To come to DoorDash. Nobody has to come to DoorDash for me to decide as a CEO of a company. Well, yeah, I understand that. But I, I do you think that that looks good to shareholders, though, when somebody is going to boldface lie to people on camera? Does Is that confidence inspiring? What part of it is a lie? How people came to them. So, hey, we want less choices. No, that wasn't what I said. What I said was you have a choice between taking orders per delivery or mm -hmm. I'll give you some sort of safety net. You can take some orders. It may be crappy orders, but you're going to take some orders and make your $15 or $14, whatever we offer you, plus your tips, which probably yeah. will get you to 20 to 25. Because personally speaking, I mean, I think you, you know, DoorDash delivery, the dashers expectations are too high for what the job is. Everybody wants to make 50 bucks an hour. You know, uh, a licensed sure. plumber doesn't make 50 bucks an hour. Why are you comparing yourself to a licensed plumber or an electrician? So but to me, expectations have to be lowered to start with. This job will pay you 20 to 25 gross before your expenses. And nobody's putting a gun to your head to do it or not. Correct. So nobody said anything about 50 I, bucks an hour. I... Yes, Kim. No, I, I'm going to say something completely different that I got out of this. I agree with him that majority of drivers are part-time and do less than a certain amount of hours. But what I didn't agree with is he was saying that, you know, the difference between earn by time and dashers who choose earn by order, there's saying that the dashers who have earned by order have a choice to take whatever orders they want, whether it's grocery delivery, food delivery, but do we really have the choice if you're throwing the diamond program or even this new tier program at drivers, it's saying a complete different message than what he was trying to convey. That's of what I got out of it. Well, you know, we're adding all these new verticals, right? So by just doing that, we're giving you more choice. Um, as you know, as a dasher, top dasher yourself, uh, some of these new verticals offer much better pay than just food delivery. So we're doing everything we can to increase the hourly rates for our dashers. Now, the fact that 90% of dashers are super part-time, they only dash maybe 10 hours a week or less, um, it's really difficult to figure out a formula that works for everybody. However, at the moment, you know, with, with adjustments going forward, um, we're going to improve, obviously, on Dasher pay. But at the moment, that's the best we can offer because our goal is to make money as much as your goal is to make money. And, and if I'm pushing out 521 million orders last quarter and I'm still losing money, I have to adjust my program in order to be able to be profitable. And if that's at the you know, at, at a cost to the drivers, you know, I apologize, but I have to do what I have to do to be a profitable entity. And I, I, I even, I get, I, I completely get that. I guess my other question, and it wasn't covered, but just a topic of a conversation for all of us is they said the earn by time was in the mix for years and they've been working on it years, but did it come 
now because there's so much going on with a lot of state legislatures that they're kind of preempting some of the stuff that might be coming down the pike, you know, a little bit later or has already happened in some of our states. But now they're rolling it out to everybody just in case it really does come to more states as we kind of keep going along. But no, we don't feel legislation is a problem. Um, you know, we had issues in um, Denver lately, Colorado specifically. Um, you know, the, the legislature decided that, that we were correct and the, 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 the bill didn't even come to a vote. Um, yeah. So we, we don't think we don't think we'll have issues on the legislative side. I think what we have is, you know, we have a misconception on the driver community's part to um, understand that this is a completely side gig for most people. And we may have to readjust for our full-time drivers who do a bulk of the work. We do understand that 10% of the full-timers probably do 60% of the orders. And, you know, going forward, forward we'll, we'll probably adjust or, or come up with some new programs. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, I think um, including tips, DoorDash pays reasonably well comparatively to any other minimum wage job. And expectations must be lowered that somehow delivery is more than a minimum wage job. So with that mindset, so Tony himself said in this interview, and we'll get to that clip a little bit later, that DoorDash only works if it works for all three people. If people are expecting, if people are needing to lower their expectations, how is that working for all three groups of people involved? Well, in a three-sided marketplace, we obviously have a duty to uh, make everybody happy, but as we all know, we cannot. Okay, and and you know, in a three-sided marketplace, unlike our competitors uh, in rideshare, um, you know, we have to make the restaurants happy, we have to make the customer happy, and we have to make the drivers happy. At some point, you know, we have to make sure that if if I have a million restaurants on my system. And the restaurants are not delivery are not cooking the food on time and making sure it's ready on time. The delivery part of it is really the the, the smaller part, as far as we're concerned. At DoorDash, um, you know, as we said, we had 13 million drivers. I mean, obviously, if this was such a bad gig, we wouldn't have 13 million dashers. They would be doing something else. So, my my I duty as far as I don't think it's a bad gig. I think that um, a lot of people are making money off of DoorDash, which is why we, I mean, in my area, it's my number one app. So I don't, you know, I, I think people just have a choice. It's either you do DoorDash or you don't do DoorDash and it's your choice to make. As a driver, you do Uber, you, you do Uber Eats, you don't do Uber Eats. But what I find interesting, and he was actually even saying with earn by time is a lot of people have, you know, that mentality that they just want to come in, earn a certain amount of dollar per hour and go home at the end of the day. So to me, it's like they almost custom made this for a lot of the part-timers who use it, who have a W-2 and have that mindset going into food delivery. And they're kind of using it as a vehicle for these people that they can still earn a dollar per hour because that's what they're used to in their W-2. I agree. I mean, you couldn't, I couldn't have said it better myself, right? So if your W-2 is not enough, what easier way to get on the program, DoorDash or 
Uber Eats or our, any of our competitors and make a couple hundred bucks a week and go your merry way. And and to us, the important thing is we need to grow. We're growing every quarter after quarter, sequentially, year after year. In order for us to get all the orders delivered properly, we have to have a formula. At the moment, we feel like we have reached that formula because last quarter was our best quarter. And um, as much as a lot of the gig tubers, you know, say that, you know, we're making a difference, we're teaching people and all this. Uh, I, you know, we have 13 million strong dashers out there who are taking $2 orders, $1.50 orders, $3 orders, no tip orders. And we feel like the, you know, EBT or, you know, earn by time is going to enhance their abilities to make that goal that they have in mind and go home and get to that goal quicker. So, so we'll come, we'll come back to the 13 million a little bit later. That number will be relevant later on the show, but let's in the time okay, being. Well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. Okay, so you know the chat thinks I'm like <laughs> representing DoorDash now. <laughs> so with that said, uh, we're just a little role playing for another maybe two minutes. After that, after that, I'm gonna switch my hats and we're gonna pound the shit out of Harry. Sorry. <laughs> so more so uh, yeah, if you're just joining us, Sergio is giving uh, Kim and I a run for our money. He's playing the uh, the DoorDash corporate side of things to see how we react to his objections. So. Uh, let's let's roll this next clip and uh, see what we can okay. see what we can do with uh, Tony over here. Okay. <laughs> and hopefully this one doesn't lag. Oh, yeah, technical. In, in fact, I mean, we've been thinking about this idea yeah. for I should have done these in seven years now, and it's the implementation detail that matters because our, one of our design principles is that they're in the same. Yeah, you know, for for so that no dasher is advantaged or disadvantaged depending on which choice they got it so is that the goal that, that is sort of or that about, absolutely the same. about the same you know in, in either mode oh but, but that takes it as we're introducing more modes of dashing whether it's grocery shopping retail delivery you know, package returns etc um and as a result of that um it took us some time and mm -hmm. iterating and trialing before actually rolling it out yeah and so and, and also you know, you know, back to the question around, you know, who is this for, whether it's for, you know, lesser experienced dashers or newer dashers. It all time the Lord actually was for a lot. It wasn't something we should just target one segment. And as a result, you know, we, we took our time to make sure that we were all that responsibly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that, you know, we've seen and heard from dashers when it comes to earn my time, I guess if I was going to point out a complaint, it might be with this for active time, right? From the time that you accept an order to the time that you go. So if you're sitting there, you know, not busy, never getting an order, you're not necessarily being uh, paid for that. So talk a little bit about that, because I know that might come with some strings attached, right? If uh, DoorDash had to pay for that time too. Yeah, so I mean, our goal is always to keep people busy when mm -hmm. they want to be busy, right? Obviously there's times that people don't want to do certain orders or don't want to deliver in certain areas. And we obviously offer the choice to, to reject those orders. And for us, you know, it's our job is to minimize, mm -hmm. um, you know, any wasted effort, maximize the efficiency. It works for every single person. I'm not just talking about national, I'm talking about consumers, mm -hmm. I'm talking about merchants. And so we run this pretty complicated system where on every single order, literally, you know, we have people involved, right? There's a consumer yeah. who has to place an order, a merchant who's obviously preparing the order. Then obviously, after who's doing um, the film, and so that's the orchestration, 
And the goal is to make sure that there's zero wasted time. Yeah. Got um, I mean, I think I definitely like that sort of utilization component, right? Keep being, keeping dashers busy. And, you know, you talked to, you know, some of the numbers I think you guys have shared around this announcement were pretty interesting. 13 million mm -hmm. dashers. Um, can you talk a little bit about sort of the, I guess, the ebbs and flows of, you know, the dashers out there? Yep. I mean, right now, you know, one of the complaints we've heard from dashers that, you know, maybe sometimes there's like an oversupply of dashers, right? Because I think there's some maybe an inherent tension, right? As a dasher, I kind of want to be paid as much as possible on an individual order, the biggest tip as possible, but you know, over time. So 13 million since their inception. So that's a pretty strong number. It's a lot of opportunities for a lot of people. $35 billion in the, you know, in the, into the economy. I mean, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. So my question, so your job, Tony, is to represent the company and, and to be as shiny as you possibly can for your shareholders. And my job and Kim's job is to represent the drivers. So what is it about this program to you that you can present to drivers and say, hey, this is a good thing for you? Well, in order for us to, to push as many orders as possible through into our system, um, we cannot have people who just sit there and decline orders. We need to make sure we're delivering all orders that comes into our system. So in order for us to do that, um, you know, drivers in big cities may not have this issue. They can sit there all day and cherry pick all they want. But, you know, we are a lead, we are the leader in our industry for a certain reason. Like we, we actually made our name by going into the suburbs while all the other companies like Uber Eats, Grubhub were just, you know, worrying about major cities. And and now that we have 65% of market share, we need to make sure that that all those orders get delivered. So if you're uh, in a small town with 50,000 people and 10 restaurants, if you sit there and cherry pick, and that's a lot of the orders are those. A lot of the you know smaller towns and cities you know put the most amount of orders into our system. So we just thought maybe we'd give him a little bit of a safety net for a driver who could sit there for hours without receiving orders and give him some sort of guarantee so they can feel better uh, about accepting a $2 no-tip order and deliver it. And so, my so question, he wins, he wins, and we win, and the customer wins. So my question is, are we employees or are we That's independent okay. contractors? Wait, wait, wait. Thank you, Hold Thomas. on just for one second, guys. Thank you, Thomas. Much appreciated. Appreciate you. Are we employees or are we independent contractors? Because you want it both ways in this case. You are independent contractors and you're going to stay independent contractors. Wait, so why are we, hold on, why are we tiptoeing into the realm of employee with a fake hourly pay and being punished when we're declining orders then? You are not being punished. How are you being punished? We are being punished because if we decline two orders, then you're kicked off of earned by time. Well, if you're, if you're accepting earned by time, I don't think you should be declining any orders. Well, we're still independent contractors, so as soon as you start paying my gas, well, my insurance, my it's, health it's, insurance, obviously, then, obviously. then we can... Call. It's your call to decline orders. I mean, nobody's going to tell you otherwise. However, right. in order for us to get the most amount of orders delivered, right, um, it, 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 first of all, how many orders can you do in an hour on the DoorDash system? Like, as active drivers as you are. In my market, many, yeah. probably about three at most, between two and oh. three. 
All right, three MO. So if I if if our system sends you um you know a couple of bad orders and one good order and making sure that you get your hourly minimum into the books, why wouldn't you accept all three? Because there's no guarantee that those orders are gonna pay worth a damn. Well, no, our systems pretty well know who accepts what and then what they will not accept. But if you so, accept if you if you decided to work by the hour. Um, I, I think you're going to get enough orders to make that number up. Plus your tips. I think we're going to get you to 22 to 24. No, that's uh, not in most happen. in most smaller cities. That's not going to happen. The okay. well, overwhelming I'm, majority. Of, they will. So the the overwhelming majority of drivers that I've spoken with who have done this in smaller towns are fed only the no tip orders, and that's why this program exists. This program does not exist to help us in any way, shape, or form. This is a shiny turd. A DoorDash is followed. Well, so I did, we, well, I, as a CEO, you know, we did 521 million orders. You have better data than we do. Is that what you're saying? I, I don't, but I got a lot of people that listen to me too. So I'll keep educating okay. them. All right. So now that we're done with this, what? Okay. Yeah, you wait, have a question? wait, wait, wait. No, I don't have a question, but Chris has been like quiet here this whole entire time. Okay. Well, okay. Well, I'm, okay. Like, I'm going to say so one thing and I'm going to actually, mind. I'm going to leave the room for, look, I'm going to leave the room for a minute because I need to do something. Uh, but uh, I was in four different magazines, big ones, like from, you know, Business Insider to New York Times to uh, a couple other ones that I forget the name. Anyway, they asked me what my opinion was and I exactly said what what uh, Zach said. I said, this is a program to get the door trash orders delivered. And unequivocally, all of them put that in there, saying that this is a way to get no tip trash orders delivered. And it's on active time. I explained it to them what it was. So for, pe for people who are watching, I have not changed. I'm still a driver's advocate, but I thought give them a little bit of run for their money here. So with that said, um, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's it's a shit idea. Uh, I, it is just done to get garbage delivered, and in order for me to get for DoorDash to get six hundred million orders in the next quarter, this is what we have to do. We have to gamify. We have to put the bells and whistles on the app, which we do. Which, which, see, I can't even get out of the role now. Which DoorDash does better than anybody <laughs> on the planet. And we're going to get 600 million orders delivered this quarter, period. So with that said, Chris, have a nice time, buddy. <laughs> no, anyway. Steve, I gotta, thank I you so leave. much. I'll be back in a couple of First of, of all, minutes. thank you, Steve. Okay. Much appreciated. Appreciate you, man. Okay. I'll be so, back in a few minutes. So I'm, I'm curious to hear. So, uh, Chris, you just heard two wildly different perspectives. <laughs> I, I know that you're more on the rideshare side of things, but if yep. you were to come to the dark side where we may or may not have cookies and start doing deliveries, are you going to earn by well, time or are you going to earn by the order? Well, those cookies are burnt. Just <laughs> starting off. All right. uh, the cookies that I have are fresh made crumble cookies from crumble. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that that's comparing rideshare to food delivery. No, I, I did food delivery for eight years at a pizzeria. I earned by time and I earned by order. So actually, I, I had the best of both worlds. Um, okay. But when it comes to food delivery, I've done Uber Eats for a little while when it first came into the market. Um, and since then, I've just not. I've been turned off to, to food delivery mostly because I don't want to sit in McDonald's parking lot for 20 minutes waiting to pick up their freaking food and then go take it somewhere for a couple of bucks. Uh, that's my opinion 
And obviously it grew so much more it's during the pandemic after uh, and everything. So yeah, you can get a lot more better orders. You can go to better restaurants. You can get a lot of different things. Um, yeah, for me, I would probably, I would have to do both uh, in order to see. Just then you figure out what the orders are specifically when it comes to earn by time. And then when it comes to earn by order, and then you got to figure out for yourself what is going to be the better option for you. The only way is to be able to test both sides. Obviously, doing a test, you may lose some money doing it. Let's say if earned by time is not worth it, uh, it might be. It just depends on where you are, where your market is, and what's going on. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. And yes, if they're going to hand out the trash orders to try to get drivers to do that, well, you know, somebody's going to take it because there's going to be some sucker that's going to accept the order. Um, sure. So if they're going to try throwing them a bone or something or make it seem like that, the other thing that I don't know if this is the case or not, maybe you guys can fill me in. Uh, if you take earn by time and you do that hourly rate, and then all of a sudden, will they show you what the original order was for if it was earned by order? And then are they going to show you, oh, well, you actually made $2 more doing it this way because if you would have done it the other way, well, you would have made $2 less if you would have done earned by order. Um, essentially so, saying you're taking like a $2 order, another $2 order, and then, you know, something to make it 15 bucks, uh, yeah. whatever it is. So they won't show you, at least not yet, let's try not to give them any ideas. <laughs> they won't show you on earned by order, uh, what you would have made on earned by time or vice versa. No. Uh, however, uh, if you are waiting around at a restaurant and, you know, your order is just taking forever to come out, sometimes they do pop something up. Um where it says, you know, you could be, you could be earning while you're waiting. So, um, you know, it, Aro, it, appreciate it. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thank you. So to answer your question. Yeah. Uh, they won't, they won't show you in the middle of, uh, like they won't show you on the offer screen or something like that, but you know, they, they do, uh, and then up from time to time. And then, uh, well, have either of you done earn my time yet? Uh, I have not because I know. Earned by time is not <laughs> in my market. Okay, what it is? I'm curious though. I need comparison. Maybe it's just me. I, as I say, I, yeah, as I say, I don't have it yet. I'm interested to get it so I can do what you're saying is test it in my own market because I have a very good DoorDash market just to compare the two. The way I would probably use it is during the early mornings or even mid mornings when orders aren't like really coming in and you do have some of those downtimes, use earn by time so that way I'm not losing a dollar per hour. And then once like, well, 1030 usually catering orders come out for DoorDash, switch over to earn by order and then like spend the rest of the day on earn by order. Like I think I personally would use it for some of the slower times, the guarantee I'm still making money. That's how I would do it, but I don't have it yet. Yeah, and, th and that's exactly what you should be doing. I mean, everybody's bitching and complaining, oh my God, earn by time. But the thing is, have you tried it yet? Have you done it? I mean, using it in terms of how it's going to benefit you, you know, it's just a tool in the arsenal. That's all. Uh, so if, if you have something that you're able to, you know, use and it makes sense during a certain time, go for it. Because that's, would... that's going to help you in the long run. But then if you have the ability to switch over and do different things and switch it around, then yeah, you got to do what's going to make you the most amount of money. You just got to put in a little bit of effort and thought into how you're going to actually make that. It's it, would, again, when we, when Sergio and I talk about the three P's, 
One of them is planning. You know, mm -hmm. Kim, you just said a, a good point there. You know, you're going to look at it more so during the times where it's quieter. So you have that kind of little bit of net there. But then, you know, your market 1030 rolls around. That's when your orders are coming in. That's when, you know, things are starting to pick up. And then you can exploit that for your benefit, uh, which means you're going to make more money in the long term uh, by using both. So really quick, we want to move on. But uh, I could see this being beneficial for somebody who is in a small market who does need to be top dasher to get any kind of hours, you know, in that case, go for it. You know, if you're going to have to accept a bunch of trash orders anyway, might as well. That way you don't have the temptation to decline. Uh, so for, for the rest of these, I think what we're going to do uh, for time's sake is just play the clip and each of us give a, a brief comment on it. Uh, if we have one. Sounds good. Okay, we're ready. Next clip. Yep. For the company's, you know, bottom line, the company's overall, um, and, you know, kind of keeping, you know, keeping Dashers busy. Like, is there a trick you think about, or how do you think about, like, you know, it's one thing to say, like, we should keep Dashers busy, but, like, is there, like, a number, or, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's what's so um, fun and challenging about running a platform where our goal is to make it work for every audience. Yes. You know, dashers, merchants, and consumers. And yeah. so it, I wish it could be sometimes <laughs> just one metric. Honestly, it'd be a much easier yeah. business to run, to be candid with you. Um, but we, we have to watch all of the computer yeah. parts, right? And I totally hear you loud and clear. I mean, I've been a part of dashing myself yeah. where, you know, I was sitting there and there were no orders, right? Mm -hmm. That means we got it wrong yeah. on the supply and demand matching. And that means we got to do better yeah. in that particular area, in that particular time, in that particular neighborhood, in that particular merchant mm -hmm. area, right? Or we got the wait times wrong, yeah. you know, for, for a particular, um, you know, restaurant or a particular shopping experience where it took a lot longer than, than you know, was expected or yeah. that an item wasn't even available, mm -hmm. right? And, and there's a very difficult kind of um, substitution experience required for both the dasher as well as the consumer. And so... These are all the things we have to take care of. You know, I, I wish it were just one metric. I, I, I sincerely do sometimes, but but that's that's really, but that's not good enough, mm -hmm. right? If we want to build a business where we can make all of the local businesses successful, bring them incremental yeah. sales, and empower them by giving them tools to build their own digital products and give work opportunities mm -hmm. and make it convenient for, for consumers and affordable for consumers where we can build it sustainably over a long period of time, it can't just be one metric. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the WeDash program you mentioned. Sure. I think you said 99.9%. Last year, 20, 2022, that was the <laughs> I'm guessing that's what, thousands or tens of thousands of... Yeah, I mean, exactly, uh, of, of DoorDash employees mm -hmm. out there doing deliveries. I mean, yeah. I, I really believe it's important to, I mean, sincerely... Um, understand what we're doing. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of really like that because, you know, a few of the, the comments you made, I, it sort of made me think like you've been out there dashing, right? You know, certain restaurants maybe, you know, want to avoid, <laughs> not going to name any names, right? Certain restaurants are a little slower, certain types of orders, you know, you know, certain ones where you maybe have to do shopping, you know, or um, compared to just but see, that's, that's drop what, off, so. like, But even on that one, Harry, like, but it's not even about the avoidance of those mm -hmm. restaurants, right? It's about All right. About what? I'm on the edge so, of my seat right here, Tony. <laughs> so I think I think Tony had a glitch in the matrix there. That's going to be the next clip, uh, so stay tuned. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, Kim, do you have any thoughts on that? 
Um, I just laugh. I'll be honest. I kind of laughed at this a little bit when he said make it affordable, <laughs> because when you think about it from a con consumer's perspective like these fees at least in my opinion are just getting higher and higher and higher yes people are still using the doordash platform but to make yep. it affordable like i think that's a big opportunity of doordash because i don't think it's affordable and i think because the fees are so crazy it leads to other things that affect drivers i think it leads to people not tipping i think it leads to low tips i think it leads to drivers not being profitable i think it leads to a whole bunch of different problems so i had a hard time when he said to make it profitable because i'm like when i was looking at that i was like yeah no <laughs> the fact of the matter is is there's quite a few orders on the platform that are not profitable for drivers so, and then, you know, you start throwing restaurants into the mix and they're being charged upwards of $30 uh, on percent commission on, on the orders. And then you add chargebacks in, you know, that could be a little tougher, you know, maybe a small mom and pop restaurant to stomach. What about you gentlemen? Any, any thoughts on, uh, on that clip? I oh, heard oh. that they're taking tens of thousands of, of deliveries away from dashers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, no, I mean, honestly, I, I think I think doing something I think they need to improve the WeDash program, to be honest, if they're if they're only doing four delivery or only required to do four deliveries per year. Uh, I think that's a, a gross understatement of what needs to be done. I think they should be going out once a month and doing like a full eight hour shift in order to be able to see what's actually going on. And then at that point, you can see, you know, what's going on within the app on a continuous basis. Uh, so if you're going out there for, for a couple of deliveries, getting in your weed dash time, whoop de doo If you're not going in there and actually going in, seeing the orders coming in, taking the orders, understanding going to the merchant, understanding going to the customer, and then your own frustrations as a dasher, uh, I don't think it's, uh, it's going to hit a different level if you're able to do something like that. Sergio? Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, look, um, during the pandemic, DoorDash took off, obviously, for obvious reasons. And it, actually, I'm very surprised that they're able to grow um, once the pandemic was over, right? So <clears throat> in a three-sided marketplace um, that this is, um, you know, DoorDash has to charge as much as they can, which they're doing with the, all the increased service fees. Because if you compare it to 2019 to today, the service fees, delivery fees, all these fees are up astronomically. Sure which none of it is being passed to the driver, right? And uh, first of all, you can't even buy a pack of freaking chewing gum for two bucks, okay, Mr. Shoe? I mean, think about it. If you're going to feed me on EBT or earn by time $2 orders, you know, and fill up my active hour that way, and you, I'm just going to kind of take it and move along with it, uh, I don't think in this day and age in 2023 there should be... <laughs> two dollar orders dollar fifty add-ons all this garbage that is thrown the driver's way you know and and but that's what they have to do they have to charge as much as they can and they have to pay as little as they can the only people that cannot charge more is the restaurants you know so, they, they hit the limit 15 to 30 percent and that's it so and you know the algorithms are doing that beautifully charge as much as they can pay as little as they can and you know they're going to continue doing it one thing i want to say quickly before we move on and actually i meant to say this before as well uh that's twice now that Harry did not let Tony get away with a half truth. So the first time it was about the uh, the earn by time, uh, saying you know, okay, well it's not really an hourly rate. So props to Tony or uh, Harry, excuse me, 
for not letting Tony get away with that. And then uh, he also said, oh, well, you know, we might not want to go to certain restaurants. And, Tony, you know, Tony tried to do something different with that. But I think that's in the next clip. We'll, we'll take a look. I mean, you know, he, almost felt, he almost said sincere. He goes, I wish there was a better way. You know, that's this Freudian slip there. And, yeah, there is yeah. no better way. As yeah. long as you're going to charge as much as you can and then pay as little as you can and that's your goal, there is no better way. I mean, what yeah. is the better oh, way? It's, it's called the profit sandwich. <laughs> you betcha. Yeah. So. <laughs> Let's see the okay, next one. Are we ready for the next one? Yeah. <clears throat> Self and 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 I think it's not good enough, candidly, to just say, "Oh, well, you know what? If we just solve these top five pain points, we're done." Yeah. That's not. We actually have to. Un Did we help you solve your goal? Yeah. And if your goal was to achieve X and we didn't do it in whatever whatever it was by the way it's not always a money thing um well then we have to go do that that's bullshit and so that's how i think about our relationship with the yeah i mean surveyed you know thousands of drivers every year for almost 10 years so not quite as long as you guys have been yeah for nine years and you know talk to thousands of drivers and i feel like the two themes that come up over and over earnings and flexibility I mean, I think everyone wants to make more yeah. money, right? Not necessarily just gig workers, you know, sure. people in every job, every industry. Yeah. And then flexibility. I think the announcement that you guys have made today mm -hmm. really does a lot to address uh, the flexibility. And I mean, I guess on the earnings component, like, how do you think about earnings in terms of dashers? You know, I think we've seen, you know, the earn by time, you know, pilot, for example, you know, we've seen 10, 12, 16 you know, pay hour, right? We've seen, you know, differing amounts and obviously, you know, certain cities, you know, you're going to pay a little bit more. I guess in your mind, like what, you know, how do you think about is there a number you think dashers should earn or, you know, how busy they should stay? Like, how do you think about how much they should be paid? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I'm always looking at is, you know, well, well, for, first to your point, you know, are, are, there, are the numbers um, actually fair to the job that's actually being asked, right? Because DoorDash today is, is not, not like the DoorDash of 10 years ago where we were just restaurant delivery. Yeah. Some deliveries now are just structurally going to take longer. Mm -hmm. When you're shopping for a basket of 25 grocery items, that is going to take longer yeah. than going and getting up a pickup order from, you know, a fast food mm -hmm. restaurant, right? And so the first thing is, you know, we, we have to really here. make sure that's fair to right the task that is being asked, right? There. right? Mm -hmm. The now, second thing we look at is, you know, um, the supply and demand component such that we actually don't want to have an oversaturation, right? We we do not allow enough yeah, sure. unlimited supply of dashers to get out on the road, and that's intentional to protect dasher, right? Dasher like is oh, when we started the company, it was something closer to like sixteen an hour nationwide. We're now closer to twenty-four. Twenty. Uh, so, of shit. so, all right, Sergio clearly has some thoughts on this. Let's let's hear what you got. Well, I mean, look, man, you know, numbers, numbers. Numbers don't lie. I mean, you know, I actually I talked to Nancy Luna, Business Insider today. She's writing something about there were a lot of actually now consumers calling her from the Business Insider and complaining that they have this thing called tipflation, 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 tip fatigue, and tip creep. Oh, is that the new buzzword? These are all the new. These are all the new terms for tip, and people are getting sick and tired of these. You know, people complaining that I mean, or whatever they go, they're just faced with a tip tip tablet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Look, man. Pay your people enough so that your consumer doesn't have to subsidize my hourly wage. Okay. 
working for tips is not my idea of flexibility or freedom because that's what I'm doing, doing your $2 orders. And, and you know, right then and there, Harry should have asked, have you ever done a $2 order? Do you know what the cost of a $2 order is to someone that drives a goddamn car? Right there. I see what your answer is. But he was taking a big gulp and, you know, trying to weasel himself out of it anyway. Like, it's bullshit, bro. So, so yeah. All right. <laughs> I want to touch on the oversaturation comment. DoorDash claiming that they don't want oversaturation is bullshit. They all do. It, it, mm-hmm. It's a good financial move for them because they're not paying an hourly rate, right? They don't have any overhead like like a traditional employer would. It's our cars, our gas. They want a dasher on every freaking corner to pick up those orders like that because another one of their goals is to be as fast as possible. So the, the whole uh, we don't want oversaturation, no, flat out lie. I want to oh, know. I want to... I want to know one market that isn't oversaturated. That's what I want to know. I, I want to know one market that doesn't have an oversaturation of drivers. Yeah, it, part of the problem with that too, though, is a market could not be oversaturated one day, right? You could go months and months without a market being oversaturated. And then you turn around and the very next day, it's extremely oversaturated because they just let you know 50 or 100 new drivers on from the wait list. So now all of a sudden, you know, when you could have expected to make, you know, 18, 19 bucks an hour, you now might struggle to make, you know, nine bucks an hour. Well, yeah, the opposite can be true too, because yeah, go ahead. Well, the opposite can be true too, because the biggest thing that you got to realize, not only could it be the, the supply, but also the demand, you know, you could have strong demand for a little while going strong. And then all of a sudden, Something happens in your area, shakes it up, and then there's no more demand for what, I, or yeah, no more demand for for whatever reason it might be. So you know, there, there's always this fine line, and it's always this whole supply and demand thing. That's what it always comes back to. So it's yeah, very, you could be busy for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, what the hell happened? I'm making nineteen twenty an hour. Now I'm making ten dollars an hour. What's going on? And you think it's an oversupply, but in reality, it might not always be that. I mean, look at the current inflation. Look at the economy. Look at you know, all of the things that are going on, look at all the fees that are going on. Uh, there's a lot that's going on when it comes to it. So are people going to want to continue ordering from DoorDash, Uber Eats and these other places to get their food delivered? Or are they going to suck it up and actually go to the place, to pick it up because they're getting it cheaper? So I did a video recently about this. Uh, and in doing that video, I, I studied um, some some numbers that uh, I wish I could remember who did the poll, but uh, moral of the story is that restaurant deliveries were down uh, by a, pro- or excuse me, takeout orders were up by approximately 10%. Whereas the restaurants who responded to this said that their delivery orders were down by about 10%. So they're seeing more customers using loyalty points and, um, you know, coming in, just getting it themselves. They, they're looking to save money. They don't want to pay those obnoxious fees. Right. And then, well, yeah, why, why, would, why would you want to pay $36 to have your order delivered with a tip? when you could go pick it up for 18 because some people have more dollars and cents which don't get me wrong i'm i'm grateful because it you know provides people an opportunity but that's really the honest answer at the end of the day yeah, but all these gig yeah. companies are are geared to have oversupply feel- you have to have oversupply so you know i you know when he says it's not saturated like it's, it's awesome. a flat out lie so go ahead Kim. I feel like it's a vicious cycle, though, if you think about it. We have a whole bunch of drivers out, but then DoorDash has these programs 
top dasher diamond program that gets orders delivered but dashers feel like have to use some of these programs to combat the oversaturation in order to make money but then there's earned by time which you still make money but not really because now you're taking smaller orders but you're still maintaining like i just feel like it's one big huge game so to speak to get orders delivered to get drivers out on the road but also have these programs to keep dashers interested and you know almost to make it appear that we're earning more money through the programs that they have does that make sense? Well, that's exactly it because they want drivers on, they want drivers to be active, and that's right. the whole system. You know, it's the gamification and gamification of these apps. So DoorDash is doing what DoorDash is doing in order to try to compete. Because here's the other thing, you know, one of the things that he said in there was people aren't always doing it for money. And true, but let me ask you, Kim, Zach, Sergio, everybody in chat, who here is doing it for money? Who, whose time is to the highest bidder? Uh, so, you know, most people are going to say, yeah, they're in it for the money. Uh, all three here, besides myself, you're in it for the money. Again, chat, chime in right here. What, what do you think? Are you in it for the money? Or are you in it for something else? Uh, what's going on there? And yeah, that's what it comes down to. So you got to pay attention to where the money is. But and they got to not only compete for you to stay on the platform, but, you know, if you could go to Uber Eats, if you could go to Grubhub, if you could go to Curry, you know, Spark, uh, it, it, do rideshare with Uber and Lyft. There's a lot of these different things. So yeah, my time goes to the, the highest bidder. So if they're showing me the money, that's where I'm going to be driving. But that they got to put in these programs to try to entice drivers to stay on the platform, whether it actually shows more money or not. That's where the game comes in. And once you understand the game, once you understand the rules, well, that's that's when you're going to be able to really make the decisions that's going to benefit you financially. I mean, you know, but you know, like uh, I had a I had a driver that delivered an Uber Eats order to me uh, last week. Um, you know, the guy said, "I take every order." I go, "Why do you do that?" Like, you know, why? Like, and then he goes, "Look, I'm out here only on the weekends, Friday, Saturday, for 20 hours. I'm just going to take everything, make the most amount of cash flow I can get in my pocket, and then I'm going to be done." So that's why that's why this is a problem. But in, in most cases, because there are going to be there are more of these. If Tony's numbers are right and 90% are part-timers, like the, the guy that delivered to me, they don't care. They're going to take the money and then because they're, wanting, they're trying to maximize the cash flow for those 20 hours that are out there for those two days. And if they sit and cherry pick, they may get it, they may not get it. But the other way, they know they're going to get it. You know, whatever it is, two bucks, three bucks, five bucks, eight bucks. And, you know, DoorDash will throw a cherry in there once in a while. And, you know, they're going to make their goal of 100 bucks a day or 200 bucks a day or whatever. And then they're going to be happy with that money. You know, that's the that's the problem with this, with all of this, is that who, oversupply, who? you know. Yeah. But who's well, not in it for money? Like, isn't that the whole entire point? Though? Oh, yeah, it's literally going out and they're paying us to still do a job. Like, who wouldn't be in it for money? So, I mean, don't get me wrong, right? Like, I'm not going to go out there and drive for free. But at this point, I might go out and drive because like, I'm bored. So I'm like, or, so everybody's, yeah. but everybody's. Am I lagging? I say, but everybody does it for a reason. So it's either like you could be paying for a vacation, you can be putting away to Robin Hood account. You could like everybody has their motive or the reason behind doing DoorDash, but it's because you do get paid. Like, I don't know one person that says, hey, don't pay me today. I'm still going to go out and do DoorDash. 
No, I, you know, well, I think the, the other side where's... of the coin, though, uh, <laughs> I, th <laughs> I think the other side of the coin, though, is a lot of the drivers that are going out and accepting everything, like Sergio was saying, they're not looking at it beyond the money that they're making. They're saying, oh, I made $2 this order. I made $7 the next order. I made, you know, $12 this order. And then when they combine it all, maybe they were out for four hours and they ended up making a hundred bucks. They're like, oh, I made 20 bucks an hour. That's an extra hundred dollars in my pocket. But the majority of those people are not looking at it saying, oh, I have gas that I got to put in my car. I have car tires that I got to pay for. I have this and that and the other thing, whether they're part-time, whether they're full-time, and that's part of the problem. I mean, we have 150,000 subs on this channel or more. We have, uh, you know, other channels in the YouTube arena who are probably watching the majority of the same videos. And, you know, you're only reaching a small segment of those 13 million. And I mean, obviously there's not 13 million in a row that are active at this time. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's still several million DoorDash drivers that are currently active and out taking orders. But it's only a sliver and a fraction of these people who are watching these videos, who are actually understanding their costs, who are actually going after that and trying to understand and figure everything out. But the yeah. average Joe, what they're doing, they're saying, oh, an order's coming in. I'm going to take it because I'm going to get money. They don't care if they're making profit or not. They're not realizing if they're making a profit or not because they're not taking the time to actually go in further and think about it and figure out these costs. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Chris 100%. There are drivers like us who know their numbers and they want to be profitable. And you, know, you can do gig economy two different ways. One is cash flow, which after six months, you'll have a worn out car and a worn out body, and then you have nothing to show for it because you literally took out enough equity out of your car to pay for your short-term bills. And then you did that. That was your goal. You accomplished it. You move on. And then there are drivers that are in it longer periods like me, seven years, and some of you others people in the chat, you know, that we want to be profitable. We want to make money. We want to like have an idea of what profits are. The other drivers, most look, most drivers do not think of any of this stuff. What they do is they have a daily goal. They get out hundred bucks. It's, it takes me eight hours, hundred bucks. If it takes me four hours, hundred bucks today, if the lottery of DoorDash is helping me to get hundred bucks in eight hours, great. If the tomorrow four hours, great. That's all they want to do. That's what they do. And and unfortunately, these companies know that very well. And all the programs that they put out there is geared towards those people who don't think about anything but a daily goal and a cash goal that they have in mind. You know, with gas, without gas, depreciation, worn out tires and brakes, all that stuff, they don't care. They're just out there with a the goal in mind and they do it and they go home. But I also think, though, that like they even said, what, 90% of the drivers are part-time. So when you think about it, a lot of people don't watch YouTube. A lot of people are just going out. They have a different mindset, right? They're just going to go out. They're going to make a couple of bucks for the one or two hours that they're going to go. And they're going to put money in their pocket and put it away towards whatever the reason that they're dashing for. Like, they are not thinking past anything besides that. But DoorDash, if you think about it, is capital really on these drivers that really aren't knowing any better than going out, taking a couple of orders and going home just because we're putting money in our pocket. Like there's no, there's no, they're really not thinking past, okay, I need to do a dollar per mile. And, you know, whatever the profits are behind the dash that they're doing, like they're not thinking about that. They're just thinking I'm making this money, whatever orders that are coming in. Yeah, yes, they're called they ants. That's what they do. I mean, you know, a majority of drivers are like that. 
you know, if you yeah. go look, man, the I majority of people battle. are like that. Yeah, most you know, I mean, that. you look at you look at anything. That's the majority of people. The majority of people go with the flow, and there's very few people who will go against that. And those are the people who you know can can change things or will you know be better off for themselves, whatever it might be. But yeah, that's that's the whole thing. You look at an ant hive. That's why we call them ants. It's because they just go and they do basically everything that they're told. They're good little employees. And uh, I say it like that because, you know, that's how they're going to treat them at this point. And you, you're just, the, the thing is, the vast majority of drivers, whether it's rideshare, whether it's food delivery, whether it's last mile, they're not thinking about this stuff. They're, they're just going right for it. They're going for the money. They're thinking about the money that they're getting, whether it's whatever it's for. But they got to step back and say, is this worth it for me to take? And you got to do it on a ride, a delivery, or a last delivery for basis that's coming in. So you got to know your costs, and then you look at that order coming in. Hey, is it worth it for me? No. Why? Yeah, right. Well, it's not yeah. paying me. And the other is somebody else is going to take it. I mean, I go through Reddit, I go through Facebook, I see all these different chats, and you know, the few people that are standing up and saying I'm not going to take this, they're like, "What schmuck did take this?" And yeah, yeah there's some some person that did and it's because all they're thinking about is give me the next order so i can have another order because that's their mentality they're, they didn't wake up to the realization that this isn't this is costing me money and i shouldn't probably be taking this well they do but you, chris they do realize it six eight months into it when their car and has that's an extra they 30 000 miles when the car has extra thirty thousand miles and you have no money in the bank to fix it if something happened to it or even regular maintenance that's when they quit. That's why the turnover in the business is so high. Like every driver, driver's lifetime is like eight months or less than eight months on Uber and Lyft. And I'm pretty sure DoorDash is very similar. That's why these uh, gig apps or app-based on-demand app companies are never going to have enough drivers. That's why you guys see constant recruiting, constant you know rewards for you to refer another driver. You would think by now you would have run out all the people in the, in the country who want to do gig work, right? Well, you're not, obviously. But... What, ha what happens that way? You have these TikTok videos then, you know, the quality of car, quality of cars are down, you know, quality of drivers are down and all the complaints start happening now. Now DoorDash cannot control any of that, right? That's when the customer will get pissed off and go pick up the food themselves instead of waiting for cold food because the guy has no professionalism. He took a $2 order, he doesn't give a shit and he just goes delivers and takes another $2 order. So at some point, you know, this is going to run out. I mean, there is not infinite amount of people in the U.S. to do DoorDash, Uber, Lyft, Grubhub, and Instacart. It's going so, to be it. And you know, that's what I'm, I'm, I believe we're reaching that, that, that point at this time. So, so something that – now this is, you know, me coming from a non-economics background. But from my perspective as a driver, I almost think it would be a better business move for them instead of, you know, all, all, all the, you know, status symbols and programs for them to just raise the base pay, right? Stop, like don't encourage such high turnover rates, but keep your good existing drivers happy, right? Keep keep the, you know, Kim, what, what's your rating? It's like 4.98 or something, I think, something like that. And like yeah. mine is, okay. Yeah, yeah and, and mine is uh, 4.97 and it's 100% on Uber. Right. So instead of having this high turnover rate and having 10,000 videos floating the Internet of drivers, you know, pissed on somebody's house, chucking somebody's food across the street, maybe just maybe they should start paying drivers reasonably. So we don't get to the point where 
you know, we're, we're having to reach into the bottom of the barrel to find the next person who's yeah, willing to do the job. Here's the problem with that. You're always going to have sensationalist videos sure, because somebody's doing something shocking and is going to go viral. That's the reason why virality exists. And people are using that now to exploit that because they know that the shocking content will get views. So yeah. half of the videos that you see today are either staged, set up, some of them are going to be real, but the majority of them are probably going to be staged and set up. And so you're going to see that and the average person is not going to, to think anything other. They're going to think that's exactly what's happening. That's going to be all my drivers. And that's what's the deal. So the problem is whether you have good drivers, whether you pay right, it's not going to matter because there's still going to be that type of video that's out there. Whether they're actually DoorDash drivers, whether they're actually Uber Eats drivers or not, or just setting it up, making it seem like they're they're doing delivery, because you could have some some you know a couple of people thinking of oh what are these different ideas that I could do, and then they find the trending topic that you know DoorDash drivers giving shit to a customer for a five dollar tip for a twenty dollar pizza order, right. and you're you're seeing that, or you're seeing defecation in the lobby of a freaking hotel uh, of of a, a room you know, pissing on the side of the street or, or on the building or whatever it is, you're, you're yeah. going to see that no matter what, whether whether you have that or not, because again, people are going to think about that. That's where the views are coming. But the problem is, it's the, the average Joe, Joe who's watching that, who's not really thinking or, or not going beyond that. They're just seeing what they're seeing. It's like the news. You look at the news, you read the headline and you think you got your news. No, if you actually read the article and you get down to the bottom, you're going to have a completely different uh, site when you when you actually read that sensationalist t title that's that's all it is it's yeah. trying to get you to click and, and get those and then the only thing is how people are associating that with the fact that well all these drivers are doing that so my driver is going to be a douchebag too and that's that's the thoughts behind it so i agree with almost everything you said um there you're right there's always going to be sensationalist videos that's not going to go away anytime soon you know there's always going to be some jackass with a camera wanting to blow up on tiktok um however where where i do have to break with you is at least if i understood you correctly is it, it, there's something to be said for personal experience right if you go to a certain restaurant and and you've gone there for we'll say five years and you've never once had a bad experience in five years and you are in a group of people and you overhear somebody talking about how terrible that restaurant is that you love, right? Your reaction isn't going to necessarily be, oh, I'm just never going to eat there again. Your reaction is going to be, hey, I've never had that experience. So my logic uh, maybe, is, but I, oh. I would actually if you're with a group of friends, I would probably bet that you're going to talk shit about the place too, whether you agree with it or not. I think so. I think if you want to get right. into the psychology, if you want to get into the psychology of it, look at the test. There's a test that they did where people would go into a waiting room and unsuspecting and a, a bell would ring. A bell would ring, people would stand up and then sit back down. The, the people who didn't know about this test, they would look around like, what's going on? And then more people would come in, bell would go off, people, more mm -hmm. people would stand up, including the people that come in. After a while, those people that had no idea what was going on were standing up because the bell was ringing for the exact same reason. And hmm. they had no idea why they were doing it. It's because of the group. It's the group think. It's the group analogy. And that's the same exact thing. So if you're with, if you're in a restaurant with a group of friends and, and they're talking shit about another restaurant that you've never had a problem with, you, you'll either say, oh, maybe I never had a problem with it, depending on, or you might say, oh, yeah, that place sucks, and then move on and then not really think about it. 
so I've heard similar studies. I've never heard about the one you're talking about, but I've heard and read similar things in the past. So I, I get your perspective on that. But I mean, if, if we're talking about, you know, you see something on the internet though, and, but you've only had good experiences, you know, it, it, it's going to be a little different. You're going to be like, Oh, well, you know, yeah. But if you're person. continuing, yeah. But the thing is, if you're continuing to see those videos reinforce that fact, you might not have had that problem, but it's still going to be in the back of your mind. Oh, what if something like that does happen? And it's a continuation. You can see it with rideshare. Like you could see, you know, a, a bad, something bad happens in the rideshare arena. And then all of a sudden, you know, a little bit later, you're going to start getting riders who are, you know, either thinking about that, worried about that. And then they have to have that, that peace of mind that that's not going to happen. I've had that a couple of times over, over the course of a few years, you know, different things like, um, what was that one girl in South Carolina with the, the whole say my name stuff? Um, that whole thing, you know, that, that shook up everybody. And mm -hmm. so that, that was a big thing where you saw, uh, the biggest things change. So, I mean, it's always going to happen no matter what. I think the, the thing is, again, the average person, the average customer, the average just Joe Schmo is not going to, to really think about it. They're just going to see what they see at face value, not really give it any critical thinking, and then move on. And that's going to be partly reinforced the next time they see the next thing. Same mm -hmm. thing following after that. Uh, so, you know, not only that, but people just love... When it comes to your... Zach, when it comes to your nice wishes of, you know, better drivers getting paid more, that's been our wish in the rideshare industry for years. It'll now. never happen, but... Yeah, it's never going to happen. The reason for that is these companies have figured out it's easier to recruit newbies because they don't have any, yeah. you know, scar tissue. Yeah. And they, by the time they figure it out, we're going to suck the blood out of them anyway. with taking all those two dollar orders with a EBT, maybe or whatever else or with Diamond Zone or some other bell and whistle. And by the time they're gone, I'll have a new one, new sucker coming in anyway. So they have figured mm -hmm. out the cost of recruitment versus paying the existing veterans more. And they surely have done those calculations and they've come up with the conclusion that churn and burn is the attitude we need to keep going. And until today, it's the same thing, right? On ride share is the same thing, on delivery is the same thing. Churn and burn works. The reason for them for that is they have no scar tissue when they come on the platform. I have so much scar tissue from ride share that my shoulders have scar tissue now, right? <laughs> so I know, I know what uh, I was what is it, kicking, right? So to me, it's like, this is the idea, and this is the exploitation of the gig economy, and most people don't talk about it. There are a few people that talk about it, and when they say they call them progressives or this or that or whatever, but it's reality. That's reality. So, and, you know, people may want to accept it or not accept it, but there is exploitation why, without a question. Why Why do you think we go through, you know, DoorDash making the news? Because they go through waves of deactivations. Like, you hear about, like, all these deactivations all at one time. And then, like, it kind of goes back to normal. And then you see a wave of deactivations and it goes back to normal. It's because they're getting rid of, you know, some of the older and getting in some of, like, the yeah. waves where it's flat is when the newer people are coming yeah. in. And then it goes up again. And it's, like, the, the whole peak and valley of the way that DoorDash or any of these companies really work. Yeah. So I'm going to kick yeah, a question to... And I bet they've I'll, done the calculations, too, on exactly how long they can do that for. Yeah. So they could say, oh, for the next 14 years, we can have this this turn and burn mentality. And then what do we do then? Well, we could kick the road or we could kick the can down the road and figure it out then. Or we could welcome everybody back and say, hey, this is what we're going to do this time that's going to be different and try to help... Uh, you know, get some drivers back. So who knows exactly robots. what that's going to look we're like? We're going to have those little robots yeah. delivering food. You know, so I mean, that's what the ultimate goal well, is. Certain areas. Yeah. So. 
I want to kick a question to all three of you and uh, just quick answer. Do you think that eventually, and it's not just DoorDash, right? Uh, Grubhub, Uber Eats, Uber, Lyft, whatever. Do you think that if they don't do something to improve their public image, that they're going to lose a lot of market share? They're going to lose a ton of customers. No. I think, so? I think the, the perception of these companies in the driver community is horrible, but I think the perception of, the, of these companies in the consumer community is extremely high, extremely high. A lot of people depend on these companies to get their stuff together. And, you know, a lot of families get their food or groceries delivered to mm -hmm. them. It's a savior. And you have to look at it both ways. Driver community perception is horrible, horrible. We put out videos, 99 out of 100 comments is negative. But I bet you if yeah. we put out some videos for the consumer, consumers like, it's great. I ordered, I push a button, car showed up. I push a button, groceries showed up. I push a button, my dog walker showed up. Unbelievable. Convenience. Great. Until, until, you know, um, they have a bad experience. But look, Uber has 132 million monthly active users. There's only 170 million adults in this country that could right. use Uber. They literally have reached a scale that is like almost there, right? And, and DoorDash just broke 65 million monthly active users. So if there was such a revolt on the consumer side, they wouldn't be growing like this. They wouldn't be adding, you know, through Dash Pass or Uber One or whatever that they do. So, yeah, I, I no, I don't think so. I think the consumer is used to this now, and they're going to keep using it until price elasticity comes into play, and then it gets so expensive that you don't do it. That's it. But if and you I, think about it, good. And say if you think about it from even a driver's perspective in a little different way, and I just did, I just did one to a video today about this that. With DoorDash being in the spotlight this past week between, you know, these new announcements, between the interview with Harry, between the $10,000 going to 200 thing, as much as good press as all this is out there, do you think it will ever change the mind of Dashers who think negatively on DoorDash? No, it didn't even scratch the surface. We're still going to think what we think about DoorDash, regardless of what they're trying to push out to the world. And I don't think any of us are blind or, you know, anything like that to DoorDash. I just think we're always going to think what we're going to think about these companies, regardless of what they're trying to push out to us. Well, that's because about Kim, Zach, we have intelligence, right? I mean, we're reasonably educated people. We have intelligence. And then to, to us, the key is not that. The, the key is not just to bash these companies, because I think there's really good parts yeah. of the gig economy. Sure. You know, there are things to be fixed and we're going to try to fix it one by one. We're doing certain things, you know, but to, to, to me is everybody bashes this and bashes that. Bashing is not going to get you anywhere. OK, no. because these companies have an agenda. They're, they're going to follow this playbook. You exist. You don't exist. They don't really care. Right. But at some point, see, my concern is on all of this is that, you know, the, the, the knife is hitting the bone now. I mean, you stab me, you stab me, and then now it's hitting the bone. It can't go any further. And I think with what they're paying drivers, that's where the knife is at now. When that happens and enough people start crying and their voices gets louder, then legislatures are going to get involved. And that's what I'm afraid of, that, that all this may get somewhere that we all don't want to get to because I know that's, all of us want to stay independent contractors. So that's, you know... That's the problem, right? When you start getting the government involved, they don't really know what it is that drivers truly want. They have this nope. bastardized idea. So they, you know, we, we scream, we want transparency, we want better pay, right? They take that to mean, oh, they want to be employees, they want health insurance, right? And, and it's yeah. not like that.
So that's why I'm always a little apprehensive myself to suggest government, you know, intervention, I I suppose. Um, we're, We're kind of at a point, I think, where the common sense legislation wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But again, I'm terrified of what happens when the government starts getting involved in gig work because it's it's going to our message is over here and it's going to end up somewhere way over there with what we actually get. And I don't I I would like to keep my option to say no, thank you to Tony Shu and to Dara. Yeah, but then but then you have so many racing you already. (laughs) I mean, you can do, you can look, you can cherry pick. If your market is good, obviously you should cherry pick all this stuff. But, you know, the, the power these companies have through their PR departments, through their interviews that they do and whatever not, it's undeniable, right? I mean, the, you know, in, in every single magazine, DoorDash was with this big announcement, every single one from Wall Street Journal all the way down to, you know, whatever, Sacramento Bee or whatever there. My, my thing is that, they have such strong PR, right? They spin things and they sell things in such a great way that our voices are getting quashed, right? Because we know it's garbage. We know it's bullshit. We know it's geared, you know, for $2 trash orders to be taken. But, you know, on that end, I don't have a problem with legislatures coming in who depend or get some knowledge from people like us who know the industry inside out that they could present these companies passable legislation, right? That they're not going to just take it all the way to the Supreme Court or reject at every turn. So there is some common ground if we can, you know, make our point of view understood that I want to stay independent, but you are screwing me so badly now that I'm just not able to continue this. And I think there is a play there. I really do. I think there is a really, really strong play there with some limited legislation coming into play with on transparency issues, on deactivation issues, maybe not as much pay, right? Because I don't think that's going to fly with these I, companies. But I think, and, I, yeah. But I, I, I would rather, I, uh, like, I, I, hold on one second. I can stomach slightly lower pay sometimes. If I had the transparency 100% of the time, if I had all of the necessary information in front of me to make an educated decision, then, you know, I can decline or accept an order knowing exactly what I'm going to end up with. And I don't have to gamble on it. And see that that's where they get you. You're, you're, you're compromising one thing in order to gain another. When in fact you should say, I want to keep my pay or get it higher to a point where it's, you know, this standard. I have bills that I have to pay, but I have my car maintenance because I'm using my car. I'm, I have gas. I have all of these other things. And something has to be put forward that's going to be, you know, reasonable for for you, for Kim, for anybody else who's driving, you know, food delivery, anybody driving rideshare, same thing. Um, you know, you got to figure it out where it's going to be reasonable on, on all fronts. But the thing is, you know... A lot of people say, well, I'll give up a little bit in pay. It's the same thing with rideshare when they came up with upfront earnings. Well, well, you give up a little bit of pay in order to see where you're going, the pickup and the drop off. Now you have all that information. No, I want to get paid the same and I want to have that same information. I don't want anything less. I don't want to settle. I know what my worth is. Yeah, I mean, all right. You know, Chris is 100% right because we shouldn't exchange lower pay for transparency. 
It's just no. Yeah. It, it, why? Why would you stick at the bottom of the barrel when you're teeter tottering? When you want to rise up a little bit, you want to rise up at least you know one or two levels there. You don't want to just say, oh, you know, break my yeah. arm a little bit. But you know, I'd rather have you break my arm than break my hand. I mean, that's what you're saying. <laughs> uh, um, to clarify, <laughs> so to clarify, so I'm not saying I would trade lower pay for transparency, right? We no, we you're see not saying you trade. You'd say I'd understand, and that's the that's where part of the problem is. A lot of people will give up something because they think they have to. They think they have to give something up in order to gain something. But in fact, that's not necessarily true. You don't have to give up either. You could actually gain one thing on the other side while keeping it or gaining on the other side too, where it'll still come out as a win-win for everybody. Well, I, I get I your mean, perspective, you know, but this is kind of a multifaceted thing for the delivery side. We've, we've got the way that the offer screens display to us, which are not transparent, right? You, you have to guess. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, but on top of that, we've also got like tip baiting, for example. So if we, you know, if we knew 100% for sure that that wasn't going to be a factor, but that's kind of more along the lines of what I'm talking about. I want to take all guessing out of the equation. I know the tip dating part. I do enough deliveries to know all this stuff, but that's when I think we need to focus seriously. That's the biggest channel out there when it comes to gig economy. I'm not counting the, you know, entertainers out there, but I think we have enough of a voice now to speak to legislatures, to teach them what's happening, to make them understand. Because to us, teaching the drivers, 13 million drivers, 3 million at a time, they're active delivering. We're going to reach 10,000 out of 20,000, 100,000 out of 3 million. Not going to happen. That's not going to be enough of an effect. But I think where we can come in now, which, which I think we have enough of a voice now, that people are taking us seriously, on this channel especially, that... We can make some changes happen on the legislative side, especially when it comes to these issues that I don't think anybody that writes legislation in any state even knows what tip baiting is, even knows what hiding the tip is, even knows that if you see an $8 Uber tip that you know that there's a hidden tip there. If you see on DoorDash, the same thing. So to me, these nuances, these legislatures don't understand, which is very important to the driver's daily life, right? So to us, I think I'm personally, I don't know about you three, but I'm personally going to put everything I have in my power to talk to legislatures, to to make them understand what this game is all about, because I don't think they do. And what they do is they throw the book at these companies and they go, here, take it. And these companies go, no, go F yourself. I'm not going to take anything. They buy some lobbyists and then they fight and then they win. But if we if we had an understanding, if we spoke their language, and, yeah. and if, we have a, if we had a rebuttal to everything they're coming up with, because they always say, oh, rates are going to go up, you know, no price elasticity, customers are not going to order food, and where everybody is going to lose. I'm like, well, no, show it to me. Show me the data. I don't think that's true. If legislatures knew that, maybe they would do differently. Maybe uh, they push. So, I, yeah. just wanna... yeah. I just want to say something about legislation, just real quick, is... My fear with legislation is they go off of what they think they know, not what is actually happening with actual drivers. And I mm-hmm. encourage everybody, every driver to get involved with their local legislation, state legislation, whatever you need to do, get involved because they need to hear what we do as a driver and not what we 
think as a driver. Like they need to know, like not going through articles on, you know, the daily dot, knowing what TikToker says about the DoorDash driver. Like they need to hear from drivers like all of us that, you know, this is exactly what we're going through. This is why we want to stay independent. This is what works for us. This is why we want our flexibility. Like they don't know all these nuances that we know and they need to listen to us as drivers so they know how to proceed with the legislations that they're trying to pass i agree yep yeah I agree. and it, it's funny because sergio and i joke a, a lot where we're like oh we, we'll be getting a, a little letter in the mail from uh washington to invite us there or get clarification <laughs> or something and you know it's something I, i'd welcome it i'd be okay with that and i know sergio is is working towards that uh, goal too yeah, just to help I, educate I, I any any legislation and say any legislation that wants to contact any of us, I encourage it because I would like to think that we are voices of reason. We're voices of the community. We're voices of the rideshare guy. Like, I feel like we have pretty strong heads on our shoulders that we can really articulate what a driver goes through, what we're really looking for as drivers. I feel like we speak a lot for the community because we listen to our community and we listen to their feedback because that's what we do. That's why we're here. So I definitely encourage anybody to reach out because I think it could be a really good partnership and I think it could be a win-win for all parties if we just all listen to each other. Yeah. So the only thing that in Washington would... because what was going on was drivers were actually at the table as well. So you had these companies like Uber and Lyft, but you also had drivers as well as legislators. And that's how Washington State got what they got for, for rideshare. Yep. And, the and only you know, thing well, that... last, last point before we go, I know you guys are running over, but, um, you know, as, as people who get their hands dirty, none of these legislatures do deliveries. None of them do any, any of that stuff, right? As much as Tony Shu says, what is it? Dash pass, whatever the heck the program is that they have to do four deliveries a year. That's bullshit. We dash. We dash. Even, even, even yesterday, I read an article about, you know, it goes billion, you know, your next DoorDash driver may be the billionaire founder of DoorDash. Even that got played. Yeah. Jackass. Yeah. I did 25 deliveries yesterday. Come talk to me a little bit. Anyway, <laughs> but ultimately, ultimately, I think the only way to bring these people to the table, right, is through some sort of legislative, you know, uh, effort and, and, you know, and a lot of people are not going to like it, but, you know, you got to get some unions involved ultimately. And nobody wants to be a union member here. But the model that worked in Seattle was accomplished by doing that. They wouldn't have come to the table, these companies, without that. As drivers, we know we're not a united voice. There is all kinds of BS going on. You know, we may have four of us have a united voice, but then whoever watches us has a united voice. But the rest of them are like... Oh, no, I don't want this. I don't like this. I like well, you know what? You got to pick yourself a leader. First of all, pick your leader, trust your leader, follow your leader, because that's it. We're not. I mean, but when time comes that I need your support, or we, all of us, saying that, okay, this is good, good legislation, just like in Colorado, okay? It was a good legislation. It was a super clean legislation. And that's why I'm going to Denver to meet with Stephanie V. Hill and some legislatures, you know, for the next round, because the game's not over there. But this time... Maybe, maybe, you know, they can listen and sit down and talk and then come up with a program that is not going to be killed immediately by their own people yes. on top of that. So to me, that's what I, the game is I going personally, to play. 
I personally think a lot of these companies are feeding the legislation what they want to hear and not truly what the reality is behind the driver. Like there has to be a middle ground, like you said, Sergio, and there isn't a middle ground right now because they, they're they're talking the ear off of these, like these companies are talking the ear because this is where money's invested in a lot of these legislation. So, you know, I don't, I, there has to be a voice for us along with, you know, a voice for the companies, but it can't just be these companies feeding them money and feeding them all these things that they want to hear, not what true reality really is for workers, merchants, and these companies. Yeah. Welcome to the lobbyist. Did you do that across all facets? So how is that going to be different from here? Um, the, o- the only it's thing, not, though, it's wishful thinking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the only thing, though, too, again, as we were talking about the average driver who who just, you know, willy nilly takes whatever they want. You know, that that's the same thing. Like when Uber and Lyft put out these, you know, these, these scare tactic letters and emails and notifications and apps saying, oh, you're going to lose access to being able to sign up. The, the, again, the average driver is going to be like, oh, no, I don't want to lose access to that. Let me click on that little button and then it's going to make it seem like. Oh, that's what the drivers want too. But in reality, it's the drivers that are being spoken for by these companies who are pulling the shades over their head and not really giving them the full exact story. And again, it's the same thing with reading that that article headline thinking, oh, that's exactly what's happening in the news when in fact, really, in reality, if you read through, it's not. Uh, so that's the other side of the coin, the other challenge that we have to overcome as drivers who may be trying to advocate for certain legislation is to not get these drivers and turn them off because these companies will counteract that message by saying, oh, you're going to lose access to the app or you're going to lose you know, money or whatever it might be because um, they're only going to try to get your help if they need it. And they're going to push it out to every single app uh, that's turned on at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So. I'm sorry, I missed uh, most of that. Uh, my stuff was freezing here. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, we have one more clip. You know what will be great in in a in a in a, in a world that I I could imagine is like uh, you pick drivers, two, three, four, five drivers in each city, major city. Because we know twenty top cities rule when it comes to ride share and delivery, right? Well, they're all the same cities, major cities. You pick yourself three, four, five solid drivers in there, and, and then. You know, you delegate and they create the voice in their own state. And then, you know, they, there is a leader, clear leader to follow the leader. Let's get somewhere with these companies because, you know, these companies go state by state by state, squashing all the stuff that's coming up. Right. And they haven't, you're having an easy time to do it. And, you know, um, shout out to Steve, right? Share Rodeo. Um, and, and, you know, I, when yeah. Colorado bill failed, I told him, I go, if we can pass this, what the hell are we going to pass? Right. And it's true. It was the cleanest bill ever and it died. So next time we got to make sure it doesn't die. So afterwards, when all these complainers come out saying that, oh, I'm not making money, I'm not making money. But where the the F were you when we were trying to pass this bill that was going to help you anyway? That's what the important part is. Not saying take this order, not take this order, $2 per mile. Those are all small details. Some people will do it. Some people won't. But if there is a voice that's trying to help you, and you, you, you just don't act and, and support that idea, then it's on you. Then stop complaining and don't go take the $2 trash order that they're going to throw at you because that's, that's the game. 
So to me, that's what that's where we need to get strong. We really need to just talk to legislatures, educate them, show them the right way, and bring these companies to the table. Because I think there is a will, there is a way. On top of that, it's also important to talk to other drivers because yep. not everybody is going to know what is actually required of them as a driver and you know, what is more you know, ideal from a company perspective. So if you're sitting around waiting at a restaurant, you know, wait for your order to come up. There's no harm in you know chatting up to the, the driver next to you, saying, "Hey, what you know? What are you accepting? You know, show me your order." And if they, they took something horrible, educate them. Yeah. I you know you guys do. We have I'm one sure more you do it all the We're time. gonna play it real quick. We'll go through it real quick. The last one. <laughs> okay. Well, we have more. If I screw Tony's shoes, screw Harry. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I give it enough. <laughs> <laughs> We're all getting fired tomorrow. Here and there. Um, what do you think? There, there's a lot of self-selection. I mean, I, I think you're totally right. I remember when we started the company 10 years ago, um, we ran a very simple, very, very, very simple, you know, non-statistically uh, significant, um, I'm a math major, so I kind of have to, uh, it, it, you know, be careful with what I say here, but, but it, um, you know, experiment where we had 20 DoorDash drivers and, um, you know, 20 UberX drivers, I remember, and we... And, and the, and, you know, both groups were making about $20 an hour. This was in Palo Alto in 2013. And I remember making a simple offer, you know, for $25 an hour to see if the, if the DoorDash drivers would drive Uber, I mean, if the Uber drivers would drive DoorDash, because just to see like, you know, to your point, like how much of it was self-selection, how much of it was, um, you know, an overlap, only one driver out of the 40 said yes to switch it. You know, and I, and I think, honestly, the answer was pretty obvious in my face, literal in my face if I actually looked at it, because the two groups of people are totally different. You know, I mean, over 50% of the dashers are female. You know, a tiny percentage of ride-sharing drivers are female. Um, the average age of dashers was much younger, you know, 10 to 20 years younger than the average age of ride-share. The vehicles required are... are, are Yeah, fact check. No, no Uber driver in 2013. Tony Shoe was making 20 bucks an hour. They were all making no. 40, 40 plus an hour. Tony Shoe. See, this is where Harry needs to just go. Are you sure about that twenty dollar number? Because I wouldn't let that fly, bro. No, yeah. no Uber driver in 2013 was making 20 bucks an hour. You're full of shit. Maybe don't. Yeah, well, and and you know what the rates were back then? Like two dollars a mile. <laughs> I mean, what is, you, you couldn't you couldn't make only twenty dollars an hour if you tried yeah, as a ride yeah, driver you back then. There you go. That's it. Yeah. What's <laughs> what's a realistic number for for 2013, 2014, whatever in California? 40 to 50. 40, 50. 40 50. Yeah. Easy money. So, Eyes closed. So I wanna actually give Harry some props on this. He the he let him get away with a few things in this interview. But there were a couple of things that he was like, eh, no, it's not really like that. So uh, I, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought he did well. Look, man, these are these things are not easy to do. Okay, I mean, everybody wants no. their personal questions asked, and this, these are things. These things are not easy to set up, easy to do. If I were to give Harry an interview on this, I think he did worse than the Dara interview. I think he did. I gave him a B minus on the Dara interview. I think this one is. Uh, probably a C, C plus maybe for me, because you know, yeah. first question out of my mouth would be, "Hey Tony, how do you think a driver survives the two dollar you know minimum orders with no tip? What's up?" 
well, the platform okay. has to work for everybody. And, you know, we have people with 27 items in their shopping cart now. And uh, yeah, all, all three parties need to be happy. And we have earned by time and this distraction and that distraction. And I didn't answer your freaking question. Well, that that's the CEO response. I mean, they're, they're going to cherry and dance around and... Um, you know, they do it very gracefully and they'll, they'll do what they do in order to, to avoid the question or to answer the question they want and, you know, kind of go from there. So it's the, the pushback or the, the fact checking after the fact that needs to be, you know, figured out whether that's the case or not. You know, you know, partner, but, but we, have, we, have other, we have one coming up, partner. We have one coming up. I mean, we're gonna we, we have nothing to, to gain in this in the way I'm looking at it now because we're gonna get pounded either way. Because we're gonna not ask one small question and they're gonna go, Oh, you like Harry, you didn't even ask the question. I'm like, oh, whatever. <laughs> so yeah, and, I, and I, that's I, the problem. So it, you're gonna piss somebody off. Oh well, let's let's yeah, piss somebody off. It's okay. We always do. Isn't that the whole nature of what we do? Yeah, yeah. Like, people off, yeah. like like somebody in chat earlier <laughs> yeah. said uh i'm unsubscribing blah 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 okay yeah. so, <laughs> that's okay. fine i mean people who are hanging out <laughs> don't subscribe to zach's channel zach pounds these guys all the time <laughs> I, oh man it's like a sport for me at this point like ooh, just, let's see I how many trolls we have today <laughs> yeah it's it's funny i but, think I, Harry, mean, I know these interviews aren't easy and i know I was gonna say, I just know these interviews aren't easy. So I give Harry mad props because I okay, know- what's your grade? What's your grade? CEOs. Grade, grade. I say I would give him a B. I definitely would give him a B. Why? I know these interviews aren't easy. <laughs> what? C plus. Okay, <laughs> C plus, if there is such a thing. <laughs> I just think that he didn't answer. I mean, it was to, to me, it was typical CEO answers. It wasn't anything personal or anything you know, he answered very directly. Um, and that's what I would have liked to seen, even though I know we would never get that type of interview. Cause I, you know, what makes a great interviews are they're very candid. And I just think he was giving typical corporate CEO answers and it's fine. I just wish for, you know, the viewers out there that at some time, some of these CEOs can be candid, even though I know that's not reality. Yeah. You know, next time he does an interview with Tony, I just want to be in the room. Like I'll put on a nice ass suit and shit, you know, just stand behind uh, Harry like this. <laughs> and the only thing that could come out of my mouth the entire time is that's bullshit. I'm going to go right back to <laughs> hold my arms. You know, Harry, yeah. Harry can be the nice guy, ask his questions in his way. And, you know, I, I mean, that is the next best thing other than getting Tony in my car for a ride along. Uh -huh. <laughs> can you imagine if we got? Can you imagine if Harry got like a round table with all of us with Tony Shoe? What that would look like? Oh, I don't think that will look any good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they might as well broadcast that. On I, don't, I don't think that would happen. I think you would see one of the pictures just kind of fade, drop out, and be like, "Oh, there was technical issues. Sorry, bye." Yeah, he, fell, he fell out of I the mean, window. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah, no, man. You know what? I, you know. Okay, what's your grade, Zach? I give Harry a B minus because simply, simply for the fact. Hold on, hold on. Simply for the fact that he did not let him get away with a couple of things. 
You got away with all of it. What are you talking about? Come on. No, Harry. Harry was like, <laughs> no. Harry did not let him get away with the uh, the hourly rate thing and, and something else. I can't remember what it was. So had he just been like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, okay, I would have given him an F. But that that bumped yeah, it up. He did of that. Look, man. Again, you know, kudos to Harry. Kudos to the channel to get these big interviews. Yeah. Whoever says blah blah blah, kiss. You know what? My bury me upside down so you can come to my grave and kiss my ass because these things are not easy to do. I like to see all these big talkers in the comments. Oh, you should have done this. You should have done that. You'd be so tongue-tied, bro. It's not even funny, you know, in the presence of a CEO of a $45 billion company, which, like, you don't hang out every day with anyway. So there you go. So these things about C, C plus still not changing and not kissing ass. Bro. <laughs> yeah, Donnie. So, how about Thank you? you how, about your partner? So much how about you, partner? What Thank do you, you. for Harry on this one? Uh, honestly, I would probably go with a C plus. Um, That's why I mean, again, so the, 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 the other, th I mean, I, depending on, on his, his level of expertise, cause here's the thing, let's be real. Harry's not a ride or I mean a food delivery driver, really. So, um, the, the things that he might ask or, or, you know, not be able to push back on, he just may not know. Uh, I mean, you look at, at, you know, MSNBC, look at CNN, look at Fox. If they were, they were doing the same types of interviews, you know, it, it's, they just don't know what to ask because they're not doing the interview. They're going to ask certain questions and it's going to seem like, oh, they're only asking these questions, but what about these? And it's the same thing. So, um, yeah. I mean, you'll give him a little bit down maybe because he doesn't have the same knowledge as say giving, you know, Dara or Jen Zimmer's interview, uh, from Uber and Lyft or, you know, David Risher uh, when he does that one um, as well. But, you know, those, it, it comes down to the knowledge. And I think, um, you know, for maybe the lack of knowledge that he had, he did pretty well. Um, yeah. But for the dasher who's watching that might say, wait a minute, hold on here. So mm. that's where it's uh, a little bit different. Well, but you know what? The, the biggest, this, this interview to me was like, you know how Tide always comes up with the better improved version of the detergent the same thing this should not be more sold. money <laughs> exactly this shouldn't have been sold as oh we're trying this something brand new i'm like no man you've been trying this for the last six months obviously it's working that's why you're going nationwide now that would be like yeah. the first thing i go who oh, you fooled <laughs> but then guess what like chris said all these papers got fooled they go oh look they have this earned my time now with the blah 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 and then and then they call me and i go like what earned my time it's been going on in st louis it's been going on in at least six. Yeah, it's cities. not new. Oh, they've been testing it for six Pedro, months. I, I look. Pedro did the, is new. No, it's not. None Pedro did a video on Earn by Time. I think it was in October of last year on the channel. Exactly. So talking about Earn by Time. So yeah, it's, it's been around new. since then. So they're testing this, and then they're just saying, "Yes, this is our t after our test. We're going to roll it out to everybody." And you know, all of it, the things that they announced, we've already known or talked about or or you know had experience with whether some people have them or not is, is a different story it's this the same thing with lyft up. and what they came out with a couple of weeks ago the exact same thing half of the things they said half the drivers already had like the stay within area filter they made a big deal about that i love that thing i think that's the greatest thing that they've come up with but the reality is i've had that for months now as well as many other drivers. And now they're just starting to say, oh yeah, this is the new feature rolling out. No, this is something that's been rolled out. Uh, you know, come up with the, the new things. I want to know what's next. Yeah. They just wanted their pretty little press release. Yeah. That oh yeah. Fancy ass well, image I mean, that they sent out. 
that's that's just to, to poof up the, the stock it's price all, a little bit. It's all PR. It was of course. Yeah. Yep. That's that's all it ever is. So right. I think that this is a good place for us to wrap up. Sergio, Chris, thank you guys so much for joining us. Your insight is incredible. Uh, you guys have uh, gotten to watch Harry do uh, a few of these interviews, so it was fantastic uh, getting your perspective on these as well. Hey, Sergio, we're going to have to... Well, thanks, Zach. But, Sergio, I think what we're going to have to do is we'll have to see after we have David Risher on uh, how they grade us when we do the uh, interview. <laughs> I, buddy, listen. We can know, do our um, own commentary. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be that would be really cool. You know what? Harry should do our uh, breakdown after we do David. Ah, uh, that'd be hilarious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have his own live streams. He goes like, oh, look at like, you know, and then grade us. Let's see what he does. All I know, man, these are great things to do for the channel. Look, I don't see anybody else interviewing CEOs. Do you guys see any other no. channel? The, all you, all of your one that are pissed off here that he didn't ask the other questions. You guys seen anybody else doing these interviews? No. Now, could it be better? Could it be worse? Yes, maybe. But it's not easy. It is not easy, man. And and you know, we have the connection. Just, we'll I mean, the other thing too is you want to keep that rapport. So then, you know, down the road you can do it again or revisit or you know whatever it might be. So you get, yeah. there's always this fine line and fine dance. Plus, you know, you don't want to piss the person off that you're interviewing that you spent all this time trying to bring on and talk to and, and figure out. So, you know, you got to give it, give props where props do. And, you know, you, you just work on it from there. Well, obviously, you are not doing good, good enough job, job talking shit about DoorDash because he still did the interview. How about that? <laughs> he, I bet you he like, wouldn't have done it with me. Yeah, no, but I'm saying uh, if, if, if he watched one of your videos, Zach, he'll be like, who's that guy? Oh, he's on Money Hungry. Screw you, Harry. I'm not doing that interview. I'm <laughs> not doing enough. You got to talk about shit. Like, what do you want me to do? Stand there with like a fuck Tony sign or something? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> because like I'm, I'm being honest, right? Like I can't just start making shit up, you know? Like I, I got to be as honest as I can while being, being like F DoorDash, you know? I, I don't know, bro. No, but no, you know what? It's all good. So, uh, with much love to the crowd, and we appreciate you all showing up, all the super chats, and thank you guys for having us. Thank you for being here. All right, guys, we will be back next Wednesday, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Oh, sorry, I need a plug. Tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Is it 8 a.m. tomorrow, buddy? Partner? Yep. Okay. Well, morning, 11, 8 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern. We're dropping our interview with Drew Crisman, who was doing, who was a Cincinnati Bengal punter. I mean, he's an NFL player. He's paying it forward, showing the extra mile, doing some amazing stuff for his city of Cincinnati, for the homeless and the hungry. And I interviewed him last week, and it's going to drop tomorrow morning. I want everybody to watch that. What an amazing human being that kid is. And uh, and Rideshare Guy um, donated $200 to his favorite charity, which is the Cincinnati Homeless Shelter. And thank oh, you, awesome. Harry. Thank you, Rideshare Guy. And we're doing our part. But please watch that interview. You guys will learn a lot from an amazing human being. So there you go. Until next week. That's awesome. Yeah. And he's on your show. Is he on your show next yeah. week, too? He's going to be live on our show next week. Right. So show, show me the Money Club next week, next Tuesday. Yeah.
Yep, next yep. Tuesday. Yep. All right. Thank you guys again. Everybody take care. Have a good night. Have a safe and profitable week. Bye, everyone.